Hey guys, welcome to Enneagram Plus Yoga, a podcast for the body, heart, and mind. And we have with us today, Sean Weller. And Sean is an expert in the martial arts. He's a certified yoga teacher. He's a personal trainer. You can find him at the Sports Barn, at Yoga Landing, at Southern Soul, at Balance Studio. He's a phenomenal yoga teacher. So I would really encourage you to check out one of his classes if you live in the Chattanooga area. But I also wanted to let you know a little bit about this episode. So what we're doing is we're thinking about how the Enneagram can be a pathway to examine our strengths and our weaknesses. And so we're really focusing on the one today, but I think no matter what your number is, this will help you to understand how the Enneagram can really help you to dive deeper in yourself to understand yourself. Um, So I really think you're going to enjoy this episode with Sean. Thanks so much for joining us. Well, Sean, welcome to Enneagram Plus Yoga. We're so glad to have you here. Um, And you are an Enneagram One. You're also a yoga teacher, a personal trainer, and um, an expert at martial arts. And we're going to ask you some questions about all of those things. But we're just so thankful to have you here, Sean. Well, thank you. I'm glad to be here. I've been listening to your podcast since... I think the second episode you put released. Aww. Aww. Thanks. That means a lot, Sean. <laughs> Thank you. Well, you, Kat. Yep. I'll kick it off. Sean, <laughs> so we, we, we were chatting a little bit before we started taping, but um, I know you teach yoga and martial arts, so could you tell our listeners uh, how you got introduced to both, um, how you marry them up in what you do? This is not just your passion. I know this is a profession as well for you. And then just tell us a little more history. I'm fascinated by martial arts, so I am a little bit more knowledgeable in yoga history, but martial arts, not so much. So tell us more. Well, I got started in martial arts when I was nine years old. My sister did a lot of dance. Me and my brother didn't have anything to do. We came across at our school, we're talking about a uh, new karate uh, school opened up in up in Dayton, Tennessee, so me and my brother, we went in, we took the class, our parents signed us up, and felt this was something great for us to have something to do. Mm-hmm. What they didn't realize is how long we would do it. Oh my gosh. I've uh, now been training 25 years, my brother is actually still training, and is re- just recently got his 7th degree black belt, <gasps> a senior master. Wow. Oh, I just got goosebumps, this yeah. is awesome. The, my experience where I've gotten to in Taekwondo is 6th degree, which is considered a master. That is, wow. Which is usually around 25 to 30 years of consistent training. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. That is dedication right there. That's Speaking discipline. Of discipline, right? <laughs> Commitment and discipline. It takes a long time to get there, and a lot of that also goes in certain age requirements to be certain uh, levels. Also, we have to know a little bit about the history of martial arts a little bit. We kind of expand upon other little martial arts. Like, I have a background in Brazilian Mm Jiu-Jitsu, which is a ground-based fighting martial art. Um, I got training in swords, as well as a short stick, and some bow staff as well. So, it's not just 
one, we always tend to it branch out. Scott, like most yoga instructors, they don't just teach Hatha yoga. They teach mm -hmm. Hatha, possibly Yin, mm -hmm. maybe a power yoga. They teach different forms. And then you'll notice they'll start blending together a little bit as they teach certain classes. That is great. Listen, I'm just going to just ask you a completely random question. Do you have a favorite martial arts movie? Oh, good Ooh. question. And then we'll go back to the original. You tell me everything about yoga and everything. But do you have a favorite? The one that I remember the most when I was younger, and this is actually probably close to the same time when me and my brother started, mm -hmm. the movie Psychics came out that had... a. Uh, Chuck Norris in it. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. And Chuck Norris trained in the band. Yep. Yeah. And I think that combined with us growing up loving Ninja Turtles mm -hmm. and stuff like that can help play us all into it. That is awesome. Sidekicks. Okay. All right. Karate Kid. Mm -hmm. Karate Kid. <laughs> now you've got to share For one. For me, oh, I'm probably going to be like, my, mine is really gory. Kill Bill. Which, right? I love Kill Bill. Listen, it's my favorite movie of all times. Just par none. And because of the scene of the Crazy 88s. Mm. Like, to me, that's when... And I don't like gory, I don't like scary, and I don't like violent. That was art. Oh, yes. And uh, that is why it's called Martian Art. Like, watching it, it was like watching art. It is, and Quentin Tarantino is an artist as well. Right? I haven't seen the movie I didn't like of his yet. Mm. Well, you know, completely random again, my favorite movie and my least favorite movie of all times, made by Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> so that's where I'm like the polar opposites, and maybe that's the one. What's the least favorite? I hate Pulp Fiction, and I know. I know. Me too, I hate it. I hate it with a passion. <laughs> I, want the, I want the manuscript uh, burned. I want the whole movie right. But yeah, I know most people I can it. see why. It's because the movie plays backwards. It is just, it's, it is every odd. minute of it is just miserable for me. But anyway, <laughs> no here, no there. Sorry for that weird interruption. So, martial arts since nine. How did you get into yoga? Well, yoga is a little bit more different. Uh, I went through a divorce in 2015. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Ruined a lot of my life. I stopped teaching martial arts for quite some time. Mm -hmm. I was working at a local martial arts studio. Now my brother's actually got that uh, spot he's teaching there. Mm -hmm. I went through probably about a year or so going through counseling mm -hmm. to get through the divorce. Mm -hmm. And uh, started reading a lot more. I came across Gandhi's uh, autobiography. Oh, wow. I read it. One of my favorite books. Gandhi's it, a one. Oh, yeah. Yeah, wow. And it, it changed a lot of my perception, so I started looking into a lot of, the, a lot of different aspects. It changed my life because I wanted that discipline from the martial arts back. Right. So then I signed up, did a class over at Southern Soul. First actual yoga teacher I took was Lisa McBride. Oh, my gosh. You started with Shout a bang. out for Lisa. With a bang. Oh, yes. And then I got hooked in, and then I was training there as I was getting all my stuff certified for personal training. Mm -hmm. Then started going to the sports barn, taking classes, and then right before COVID, me and a friend, we went to, started going to Yoga Landing, and then they had their teacher training cert certification. Mm -hmm. Well, we signed up for it, mm -hmm. and now I'm... Never look back. Nope. I will never look back. Yeah. I love it. And you teach at the Sports Barn and Yoga Landing yes. anywhere else? We have a new place that we're about ready to open up. It's called Dragonfly Dreams. It Ooh. should open roughly uh, July the 9th. Okay. Okay. That's great. And that great. is off of 11th Street in downtown Chattanooga. Nice. 
Wow. All right. So if you want to find Sean and you live in this area, many of our listeners don't live in Chattanooga, but if you do live in Chattanooga, you can find him at Yoga Landing and the Sports Barn and then Up and Coming Dragonfly Dreams. Yes. That's really exciting. How are you able to marry the martial arts and yoga? Do you find they kind of coexist nicely together or do you kind of keep them separate? They do kind of... At certain aspects, coexist with each other. The mm-hmm. slower movements of martial arts. I've been working on trying to figure out how to put some of the other elements into the classes. Mm-hmm. But the, what fits the most primarily is the uh, philosophy of martial arts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A lot of the discipline of martial Tell arts. Tell us a little bit about that. Part of the philosophy is, well, discipline is you got to make yourself do it. Mm-hmm. How many people you say, oh, I want to come to your class and just... Mm-hmm. Don't have the discipline. Yeah. They're coming in. Also, it's a little bit about uh, the mindset. Okay. Mm-hmm. Coming uh, overcoming obstacles, or mm-hmm. if you find a pose that you cannot quite do, mm-hmm. sticking with it, keeping with it. Mm-hmm. Martial arts can be the same thing. Learning a new form, a new uh, technique, just sticking with it, keeping working on it to develop the better skills, mm-hmm. and then also to develop the easier skills, because some of the hardest classes I've ever done is more of the basic stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How many times have you seen somebody trying to go for a more advanced pose, mm-hmm. they can't do it, and then you break it down to more basics, yeah. and then they watch it for a while, and then all of a sudden the more advanced technique clicks for them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think of um, Carl Young saying, like, what you resist persist and I I think any sort of martial arts is teaching you like not to resist to do the hard things to cultivate the discipline instead of the sloth and I could see why a one would like naturally go to that I mean before we even started taping you were talking about one of the disciplines was arriving 30 minutes before class right like this is Martial arts is going to teach children discipline, right? To to not resist. It's going to be like the glit and dole. We can do hard things, right? Like it's instilling that in you. Um, I I taught a yoga class this morning, and I taught eagles pose, and I hate eagles pose, but I was like going with that sort of (laughs) mantra of like you know, what we resist yeah. persists and we yeah. don't grow if we resist things. And yeah. like, I know that that's a pose in yoga that I resist, mm-hmm. but I think martial arts and yoga can teach us, like we can do these hard things on the mat and then we can do them off the mat, yeah. right? And yeah. we, we say that a lot as yoga. We're all three yoga teachers and we say to our students often, like, you know, what you do on the mat will serve you off the mat in different ways. We say that, right? Uh, yes. One of the favorite sayings that, one of the, uh, I don't know who said this, a Korean saying uh-huh. is repetition leads to discovery. Ooh. The more you do something, the more you learn about it. Yeah. And we used to teach that, like, in martial arts, to learn how to kick, they say you, you got to learn how to kick is... To learn how to do it right, you got to do it around 10,000 times. Mm. That is so neat you just said it. So I was sitting in the car talking to my husband. Our Just now, our oldest is a fe- uh, daughter, female. She's at a wrestling camp. 
And she's having her ass handed to her <laughs> for 12 straight days. It's the hardest thing she's ever done. And I think she's in a state of shock. And my husband said, you know, I'm going to give her an example of Michael Jordan, who said I had to do 10,000 throws to just get one when I needed to get one. Mm -hmm. You know, at that moment, it's repetition. Mm -hmm. You've got to continue. It's wash, rinse, and repeat. Cycle on 24-7. He literally said 10,000 times. This is like, it's yeah. in the universe. Oh, Bruce Lee would say... I do not fear the man that has mastered one kick. I mm -hmm. fear the man who has performed that kick 10,000 times. Right. Wow. Right. Ooh, right. gives me chills again. Right. The, the sort of yoga saying, what you practice, you become. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. for sure. Yes. Ooh, good stuff. And you're a personal trainer as well, so I'd love for you to tell our listeners about that also. For personal training, I get uh, sometimes I get aggravated with the fitness industry, mm -hmm. how... They are always are talking about with these influencers pushing like, oh, you got to eat this way or, oh, you got to do this specific workout mm -hmm. or you can do a six minute ab workout and you yeah. get a six pack abs. It's like there's so yeah. much deceit in the fitness industry. Yeah. And I tend to like to tell people like, that's not exactly how it works. Mm -hmm. First off, when you see somebody with the perfect six pack abs, it's not their workout that's causing that. It's yeah. their diet. The nutrition. It's their nutrition. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I've seen some people say, oh, it's all about cardio, and oh, it's all about strength. And it's not about one or the other. It's about mm -hmm. both of them. Mm -hmm. You train your heart through cardio. You train your muscles through strength training. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter what type of cardio you do or type of strength training you do as long as you move and it's something you enjoy, mm -hmm. which is the key. Mm -hmm. If you enjoy it, you're going to stick with it a lot longer. Mm -hmm. If you didn't enjoy yoga, would you still be here? Mm -hmm. Mm -mm. No. No. And so I try to help people as a personal trainer find out what they enjoy so it gives them something they can stick with in the long run, which is ultimately is going to help change their health a lot better than just buying some app or some little program that somebody can read once or twice or do two or yeah. three times and then forget about it and waste yeah. a lot of money. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. And we live in a society that we're all about the shortcut, you know, because we look around and it's, you know, like the edit cut that we don't see, it's this person that looks this way and then literally it cuts to completely different individual and, oh, well, if they can do it within a week, I can do it within a week. And no one ever talks about sustainability. Yeah. What can you stick with? And you might be able to just, you know, drink celery juice for a week and drop a few pounds. But then what is after that week? Mm -hmm. So you teach your students, your clients, how to stick with it. Yes. How to make mm -hmm. it a lifestyle versus a quick fix. Yes. Mm -hmm. That's that's mm -hmm. great. Yeah, and I love that invitation to do what you love because, I mean, I don't love running, so I don't do it. Exactly. I love yoga. Yeah. So I make that a daily practice for sure. Um, but let's talk about the Enneagram. You are yes. an Enneagram one like cat. I know, sure. And for some reason, I did not know that until just now. I was like, oh, kindred soul. Uh -huh. <laughs> Here we go. That's right. And I have a one wing. And so today we are going to be talking a lot about life as an Enneagram one or life with a one wing. But I want to just hear a little bit about your discovery of the Enneagram and then what made you identify as a type one. 
Well, uh, first off, identifying as one took forever to find my mm-hmm. number. Yeah. Because when I was first first starting to listen to your podcast, I'm like every time I'd listen to one of the numbers, I'm like that's me. Uh-huh. Then two would come up, like nope, that's me. Mm-hmm. Then three, oh that's me. Mm-hmm. And I went through all of them. Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. went through and listened to them a couple times, and then I started reading a couple a couple books about it, mm-hmm. and finally it just broke down and took a test. And then when it came up one with the nine wing, it made complete sense mm. on why I was jumping around between all the different numbers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I see that easygoing nine in you too. Like I see the one mm-hmm. and I see that nine sort of gentle spirit as well. So I want to affirm that. And then as you think about the one, what have you discovered about yourself? Like through this process of knowing that you're an Enneagram one. Mm that inner critic mm. inner critic that's yeah. like what really oh, yes. spoken to you yeah it just it doesn't give up mm-hmm. mm. it just keeps going if I don't keep track of it like if I'm doing something like if I'm doing a personal training for some reason somebody has to cancel on me they're sick or something I have to keep telling myself it's not they didn't cancel because of me mm-hmm. <laughs> right yeah but they'll come into me like was it me that did it did I say something did I do something when it wasn't yeah, yeah. and that stuff will just Build up, build up, build yeah. up. Yeah. Which is one of the reasons why I decided, yes, I'm a one. Mm-hmm. Because I feel that a lot. Yeah. That inner critic is relentless, isn't mm-hmm. it? Right? Yeah. Like, yeah. And like you said, the, the inner critic causes ones to be very hard on themselves. And I think sometimes per- other people perceive ones as being hard on others. But they're much harder on themselves than they are on others. And so that inner mm-hmm. critic is you know, saying things that aren't necessarily true, and so you have to question it, and you have to, like, go, oh, no, that's not the case, you know, because Mm -hmm. the one underneath that inner critic is also this, you are bad, you are not enough, and and so you have to, like, check all of those things, right? And how do you do that? How do you work on kind of questioning your inner critic and and moving towards being more kind and gentle and compassionate towards yourself, which is part of, you know, the yogic way of life, of offering compassion to ourselves and others. Well, starters, meditation helps a little bit. Mm-hmm. It helps quite a bit, actually. And then uh, another part is I find out that there's, like, yoga poses or even certain things that I normally wouldn't do because i got to have it perfect. Mm-hmm. I'm starting to get to where now, like, I'm, making myself to do them or right. to demonstrate more to add them to my classes more right. often which is a way to prove to that inner critic like hey i can do this yeah yeah you yeah, yeah. Help, help to leave me alone and let me go mm-hmm. what's one of those yoga poses because we all have them what's one of them for you for me right now is a handstand i've been working so hard on it mm-hmm. i can do the forearm stands i can do the uh headstands, the handstand, I just can't press down, simply come up, and I should be able to do it, mm-hmm. but I have to have it perfect, so as soon as I get up there, it's like I have to point my toes, and all these little tiny cues are start throwing in my head, and I want to fall down, Yeah. so it's one of these things that I have to keep, keep at, and eventually I will get it. You will, you will, you will, but I would say that that being able to do a headstand is not what defines you as a teacher. Yeah. Like bringing, you know, the, the many gifts of who you are on the inside and like, and also what you've learned um, through martial arts and in yoga school, that all of that, you already are enough. 
whether you master that headstand mm-hmm. or not. But, um, and I know you know that, but sometimes, like, you know, we have to keep reinforcing to ourselves what we already know. Yes. <laughs> so, um, well, thank you for sharing about that inner critic. I think whether we're ones or not, a lot of us mm-hmm. have an inner critic. So, so listeners will be able to relate no matter whether they're one, because a lot of us question ourselves and beat mm-hmm. ourselves up and, mm-hmm. and think to ourselves, whatever profession we're in, because we have obviously a lot of people listening who aren't yoga teachers, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not enough as a real estate agent. I'm not enough as a clergy person and on and on and on that you, you are. Um, and so I just want to say that, but, um, During this episode, we're going to talk about, this is going to be a very different episode. We're going to talk about 10 quotes from 10 confirmed or suspected Enneagram Ones. In fact, I think the only one that's definitely a self-proclaimed Enneagram One is Brene Brown, because some of these people that we're talking about are deceased, right? And, Mm -hmm. And so just Enneagram experts and professionals out there have labeled these as Enneagram Ones. So we're going to talk about like how we relate to each of these quotes. Um, But this is also, I think, providing to our listeners a bit of a map of this is what the Enneagram can be. It can be this map of self-discovery, of understanding ourselves and our strengths and weaknesses Mm -hmm. so that we can grow. Mm -hmm. And so we're going to look at that and um, start with Gandhi, who you said was really instrumental to you when you were going through the divorce and read one of his books. Be the change you want to see in the world. So this is a quote attributed to Gandhi. So um, any of you want to kick it off of how you relate to that as an Enneagram one? You know, I think and I feel like right away is going to be tooting a lot of our own horns in this episode. But ones are the types in the Enneagram Mm -hmm. who could truly say and back up, don't talk about it, be about it. Yeah. Like, we don't just talk the talk. If we're going to talk, we're going to do something about it. We're going to walk the walk. Mm-hmm. And that could be a blessing and a curse, I guess, you know, depending on how you look at it. But wanting to make things better, yeah, change things for the better, whether it's our idea of better or everybody else's and whether anybody even wants it better or not, it is to me a gift of a one. It yeah. just, we are we are fixers, we're doers, we are, you know, the ones who would want to put the action forward, mm-hmm. not just the idea, not just the hypothetical. You know, it's it was so interesting. Sean was talking and you were talking about handstands. And I was like, this is a language of a one. I use the same words, should, perfect. I was like, you're speaking my language, but it truly is, you know, that's what unites us. I guess mm-hmm. it's, it's not just our language, but it's our essence, mm-hmm. you know, make the change. That's, that's how I look at that quote. And I do think a lot of times ones are change makers. I mean, you're both in professions where you're, you're helping people, mm-hmm. right. To mm-hmm. like have, um, you know, change within themselves and within their bodies mm-hmm. to get stronger and more mm-hmm. flexible and yeah. all of that. Um, and a lot of the ones I know who I'm just thinking of in my mind are in careers, like whether whether it's lawyer, clergy person, whatever, but they are change makers mm-hmm. in the world. So that's yeah. why the name reformers yeah. is a ref, you know preferred name yeah. over 
perfectionist yeah. because perfectionist has the negative connotation yeah. that really truly who the one is at heart is they're wanting to show up and change the world. I would say that because the one wants to change the world, their house, their car, like they're often, you know, perfecting their marriage, you know, be the change you want to see in your marriage, whatever. They they want to fix things, right? They want to change things. Sometimes they they do that dive into the world and into their children and in into their house. But sometimes doing that inner work can be harder for a one. And I know that's true for me with my one wing. Like it's easier to go out into the world and fix others and be responsible for others. Um, But to, to change inside of ourselves, that for me, I'm just feeling that right now. That's hard. That's the harder yeah. Harder work. The I operative think. word here is be, mm-hmm. not the change, not what you want. Be. Yes. You true. know, and that's the toughest part because I feel like ones do tend to maybe want to change everybody else, and then we're kind of in the back of the line. You know, I remember yeah. my husband and I were celebrating 18 years together, and we've known each other for 21, and I feel like I was trying to change him for a good decade of that. Like I felt. He needed to change through yeah. things. And it was, you know, and, you know, B was not in the sentence for me in that changing thing. Yeah. I wanted to see it in the world. He yeah. was that, you know, extension of it. And I just spend a lot of time and energy trying to change him. And he's a seven. He's like, no, no. Yeah. No, no. Yeah. No, no. So anyway, but so so that's where I think it's important for once to always keep in mind it's it's you start with self i love that be as being the operative word not not changing others but you working on it inside of yourself so that you can offer it in a in a way that's um not manipulative or not you know trying to fix love it what comes up for you sean well for me is a lot of ones tend to want to change people. Mm-hmm. 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 I've gone through that with relationships. Mm-hmm. I've gone through that with family. Mm-hmm. Where I can go through a, a time period, with, especially with politics, where like, I believe this, mm-hmm. but I can see my family like, well, why don't you believe this? Mm-hmm. And then I will go on and on and on. Like, I'm trying to change them. Mm-hmm. Trying mm-hmm. to change them. Yep. And instead of me trying to change them, I just need to be me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I've had... Family get mad at me for that. My brother got mad at me. And when I uh, introduced him to Enneagram, and he started reading about it, which he's a six. He's mm-hmm. a six. He read the one, and he's like, now I understand a lot more about you. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. that's why you do this. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. That's why. Because yeah. I'll get on to him like, oh, he'll cook and just leave the mess sitting there. I'm the type of person. I'll cook. I'll clean up and everything. As I'm doing everything. Oh my God! I'm looking in the mirror. When I see it, if I see him, I'm mad. You clean as you go. Thank you. It's easier, so I can sit down, eat, and enjoy the meal without worrying about that. It's the right thing to do, right? How can you enjoy the food if that is over there like a bomb went off? That's right. Oh gosh, you are my spirit animal. I That's agree. why I'm the two with the one wing. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna relate to everything here today. <laughs> Good stuff, though. Um, all right, so let's look at Brene Brown again. She is the self-proclaimed Enneagram One. Cat, will you read this? Book? Yeah. 
we are all imperfect people making imperfect decisions with imperfect information under imperfect circumstances in a wildly imperfect world. Mm -hmm. So one, two, three, four, five, six times she says the word imperfect. And yeah. I think that's the key to unlocking the mystery of the universe for one. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Yeah. And then accepting it. And then truly saying, okay, all right, if you say so, or saying, okay, I get it. Yeah. And then I'm okay with that. To me, that's the hardest part. Mm-hmm. Same. Mm-hmm. See, for me, that just, it kind of brings up a thing, uh, I don't know how much you know about Taoism. Have you heard of Wu Wei? Mm -hmm. Tell Go us everything. Go with the flow. Mm -hmm. Oh, gosh, so hard. That's something that ones need to understand. Go with the flow. Mm -hmm. That it may not be your way. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean it's not wrong. Yeah. It just yeah. go with it. Yeah. Let it be instead of trying to make it yours. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Instead of trying to control, yeah, or be dogmatic yeah. to go with the flow. Bruce Lee, I think, said, be like water. And I think, for one, if we were a tangible object, we'll be wood or steel or rock or something like that. To be like water is, I think, the highest level for one to become because mm -hmm. that means strong and flexible and absorbent and literally going with the flow. Yeah, I think being the flow. Margaret Atwood has a beautiful poem about that too, about mm -hmm. being like water and just that flexibility mm -hmm. and movement of yeah. water. And yeah, I think that that's the goal for all of us who are ones or have a one wing, or even if you're not, you know, flexibility, going with the flow. Yeah. yeah. Um, and just, I, you know, I'm thinking of another Brene Brown quote, and I don't remember it verbatim, but she said something like, you're never thin enough, extraordinary enough, or good mm -hmm. enough until you decide that you are. And I think that's, lifetime work for me you yeah. know mm -hmm. you know but um but yeah embracing imperfection like that I I come back to that even though I'm not a one I come back to that I am enough mantra quite a bit like that mm -hmm. that's one that that I think the meta meditation and then the I am enough I do enough I have enough my loved ones are enough those that I come back to those meditations quite a bit mm -hmm. and I think it's because of that one wing and growing up in the South. Yeah. Like, I don't think it's just my personality. I think growing up in the South, Culturally. there's this, like, cultural sort of expectation that you're to walk out the door with your lipstick on mm -hmm. and your mascara on and to be put together. Mm -hmm. And, like, mm -hmm. you know, that, that's, that there's a lot of pressure. Yeah. And so to just know that I'm enough, like, makeup-free, you know, yeah. all that stuff is still something I'm yeah. working on. Yeah. Because it just was ingrained in me at, at such a young age that, you know, you have to look like this in the yeah. world to be acceptable. Yeah. So, and that's hard. It it's hard, hard to undo all of that, to yeah. undo that messaging. Yeah. So, and that's what I'm working on. Yeah. So, um, all right, good stuff. You want to read the Nelson Mandela quote? As I walk out of the door towards the gate that would lead me to freedom. I know if I didn't uh, leave my uh, bitterness and hate and hatred behind, I'd still be in, in prison. Ooh, I love that one. Mm -hmm. I love that one. 
Any thoughts on how that connects to you guys as Enneagram ones? I mean, resentment mm -hmm. is sometimes my love language. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, bitterness and, you know, and I know hate is a strong word, but I've, I've used it plenty and it is just, it's, it's hard to to step away from it because it feels like a part of you mm -hmm. and then you have to realize that it doesn't have to you just have to know it's there but it doesn't have to be i guess maybe a huge part of you so it imprisons you mm -hmm. you know setting yourself free mm -hmm. from you know bitterness and resentment and hate that's a lifetime work, and you know it sounds terrible because we're you know we're lovely people, we're loving people, but these things for me could present so strongly mm -hmm. that it you know it's tough. Mm -hmm. Do you struggle with that, Sean? I do. I tend to hold on to a lot of that emotion. Yes. Just hold on to it. When I went through my divorce, I held on to that forever. Um, it went through my mind like, what did I do? Mm -hmm. What did I do? Mm -hmm. What did I do? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Went through all the counseling, and he helped me realize it wasn't all my fault. Yeah. Mm -hmm. that I think both of us just kind of grew apart. Yeah. I went through a depression, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then I just kept holding on to is why I went into that deep depression. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then worked my, I had to let go of that yeah. in order to come out. Yeah. To get out of that prison. Yes. Self-created one. Yes. Yeah. You know, sometimes, and I tend to hold on to things, and I catch myself sometimes, and I have to really be mindful of it. So it's done. It's over with. I had my reaction to it. I brewed on it. All of that. And then I'm having a perfectly great day, and I would bring that whatever really set me into that bitter, hateful, resentful thought back up that memory and I let it roam through my head. And I'm thinking, why did, like, it almost is a self-inflicted wound. Yes. Like, is that a sense of comfort for me? Is that just a, a, a part of nature for me? Is that the way for myself to punish myself? And I know we're not in therapy, y'all, but <laughs> it's for one, it's a real thing. And it's it's not fun. It doesn't feel good. And yet sometimes it's like, you know, like like pulling on the scab. Like it's almost there. It's almost going to like, uh-uh, wait, I'm going to just scab it up again mm -hmm. yeah. and bring it back up. It's crazy. It is. So to catch yourself at that moment and say, no, I'm living my good life. It's done. It's over with. We had our feelings about it. It's not as easy for one as one would think. Well, and I think it's, I, I do think it's harder for the one than any other type because that's how they say the shadow side of the one, of the mm -hmm. anger shows mm -hmm. up is resentment. Yeah. And so I do think that all of us struggle with grudges. All yeah. of us struggle with letting go. But I think for ones, that's just naturally harder. Yeah. So as you like talk about how that manifests in your body, that's like a common feeling yeah. that I that I hear from ones. I think as a two, even though I have a one wing, mm -hmm. I have not struggled as much with forgiveness um, in the past. I'm mm -hmm. going to say in the in the past. Um, 
now that there's so much polarization in our world and like it's almost like the world wants you to take sides and wants you to be angry um it's such a different world now than it was 10 or 20 years ago i find myself holding grudges now in ways that i haven't in the past which Welcome speaks to, to the, the team yeah so I, but but and so i'm i'm aware yeah. that like i have to kind of fight against what's happening yeah. in the world because the world wants us to become who it is yeah. right and like i i do not want that i do not want to hold resentment yeah. i do not want to hold grudges like i want to let go and forgive although as a two there might be times when I'm too forgiving and I could sit with my anger a little longer, at least yeah. historically. Yeah. But again, like I said, now I, I, and probably some of it is I've done a lot of intentional work on my anger. So now I am more comfortable feeling yeah. anger to the point where I can sit with it and it turn into a grudge mm-hmm. in ways that hasn't in the past. But I'm also aware that that's, um, very uh, connected to what's happening in our around world us, around yeah. us, and mm-hmm. I, I do not want to do that. I do want, yeah. I don't want to be a part of the polarization or the hate right now. Yeah. We have too much of it in the yeah. world, um, but yeah, I think that we've got to all find ways to, to release that resentment. I mean, I think a lot of people have said it in different ways, but resentment's like drinking poison and thinking yeah. it's for your enemies, yeah. but it's also. I mean, what it's ultimately doing, it doesn't affect them, it affects us. Um, So any practical ways you guys let go of resentment from the body? Oh, gosh. (laughs) You want to take this one? Let go of resentment. I mean, honestly, it's just, you know, you have to start with, you have to think it then you have to accept it, and then honestly, you just have to do it. Yeah. Like, yeah. letting shit go is, it's nothing to it but to do it, and one would think it'd be, well, just let it go. I used to say it all the time, just do it. Just <laughs> do it. Just, just yeah, let, go. let it go. Just do it. But you have to just do it. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Because otherwise, it is a self-created prison. Mm-hmm. That you're locking yourself in and sitting alone mm-hmm. while everybody else is going out on field trips. You're in your own head, brewing on it. Yep. Yeah. I do think for me, I've said already mentioned the meta meditation and compassion med- meditation. That helps me probably the most with forgiveness. And then I've found, like, for me, um, you know, prayer is another way that I'm able to release things. I. I find if I'm praying for somebody, I can't hate them. Mm-hmm. So uh, the meditation mm-hmm. and the prayer help me the most with letting go. Um, and then also, like, sometimes yoga poses where you're mm-hmm. just kind of like palm tree or something. Mm-hmm. Poses that feel like you're moving and trying to let things go. can I think they can, like, move things out of the body. Right. Even when I'm not aware of it, they yep. can move some of that yep. resentment yep. and funk out yep. of the body. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, that comes up for me. But, yeah, resentment's hard. Yeah, it's hard. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard. It's hard. Hey guys, just wanted to let you know this is just part one of our interview with Sean, so be sure to check out the second part of the interview. After this word from our sponsor, we will have a meditation, and the meditation is about a nine-minute meditation. Also want to say thank you for listening. It means so much to have you as listeners of this podcast. 
our meditation today, I invite you to sit in a chair. But if you're not able to sit in a chair, you can breathe wherever you are. But if you do sit in a chair, root your feet down to the earth below you. Lengthen up through the crown of the head as you root down through your sitting bones. Invite your hands to touch your thighs, palms face down. And from the belly button, inhale, maybe all the way up to the crown of the head. And then exhale, send the breath back down to the belly button. And then just set an intention to stay with that rhythm of your breath. Breathing in through the nose and out through the mouth. You also could do the ujjayi breath of in through the nose and out through the nose. But just find a rhythm to your breath. And in our meditation today, we're going to do a body scan, but it will be a different body scan than you've probably done before. So as we pay attention, we're going to start with the mind and pay attention to our mind. And as we pay attention to our mind, we're going to pay attention to the inner critic. The inner critic is the part of us that can be hard on ourselves and that critic can also turn externally and be hard on others and so pay attention to your mind for a moment how has that inner critic been showing up um, are you judging yourself or others but also pay attention to the mind as you think about maybe destructive thoughts or narratives that you have about yourself, about others. Breathe three sets of breath as you pay attention to the mind. then take a moment to pay attention to your eyes and as you pay attention to your eyes you can keep your eyes open or you can close them and just notice your right eye your left eye be mindful of what you have seen with your eyes today be aware of all that your eyes offer you on a daily basis and ask yourself are you taking enough opportunities to use your eyes to take in the beauty of creation and then allow yourself to breathe in and out three times deeply you to pay attention to your ears, to your right ear, to your left ear. And as we pay attention to our ears, asking yourself, 
if you're taking an opportunity to listen, to listen to people in need. As you think about your ears, ask yourself if you're taking the opportunity to tune in to music or books on tape that are gratifying to hear. As you think about your ears, maybe considering whether you're spending too much time listening to gossip and things that are not worthy of your time and attention. And as we think about our ears, are we listening to the cries of the needy? And then find three sets of breath as you ponder this. Next, I want us to pay attention to our tongues. So pay attention to your tongue. And as you pay attention to your tongue, think about whether you are eating and drinking mindfully. As you pay attention to your tongue, consider whether you are speaking too much or too little. As you pay attention to your tongue, maybe deliberate on whether you are encouraging people with your speech the way that you want to. And then find three sets of breath. And then next, we're gonna move our hands from our thighs to our heart. So one hand is gonna to touch your heart and the other hand can touch the hand holding the heart. And as your hand comes to your heart, pay attention to your heart space. And as you tune in to your heart space, is your heart open or is it closed? And as you pay attention to your heart space, are you taking time to listen to your feelings? And as you consider your feelings, notice them right now. Are there any feelings that you need to be aware of, that you need to befriend? Maybe anger, maybe sadness, maybe joy, maybe fear, maybe shame. and breathe for three sets of breath. And then bring prayer hands to your heart, so your palms touching one another 
your thumbs touching your torso and pay attention to the entire body is there pain anywhere in the body what are you grateful for about your body and also are you spending enough time moving in your body living in your body breathing in your body take a moment to pay attention and word to the body and breathe for three sets of breath And then with your hands to your heart, start to create some friction by just moving your palms against one another. So your palms are moving against one another, just kind of waking up the body. If you close your eyes, open your eyes, come back to the space that you're in. And then bring those hands back to your heart in stillness. Find a breath in. And a breath out. Namaste, friends.